You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Danny Wexelman with Adam Barry, who covers the Pirates for MLB.com. Adam, we had a pretty nice chat last week, and this week we've got a couple more things we're going to sink our teeth into, so I'm excited to get started. No surprise, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the Pirates declined their club option for Jung Ho Gong, and then also Josh Harrison. So now we have a couple of questions to answer, and that is what you are here for because you are our expert, our guru on all things Pirates. So now that we know these two will not be coming back next year, what is the plan at second base without Josh Harrison? Yeah, I think the Pirates' plan at this point is to move forward with Adam Frazier, uh, who hit 306 with an 890 OPS after returning from AAA in late July. He actually looked better defensively down the stretch. That was kind of the big question with Frazier was, can he handle the position defensively on an everyday basis? And he really went to work when he got demoted to AAA earlier this season, improved there, fixed his swing with a little help from his dad, of all people. Um, so he looks like he's a little better suited for you know an everyday job at second base going forward right now. He's an ideal leadoff hitter, which is something this team needs. He just seems like he's at the point where he's ready for an everyday role because the Pirates nearly trusted him with uh, the left field job uh, last year on opening day if they hadn't gotten Corey Dickerson during spring training. So I think they're pretty well set with Adam Frazier. There's a lot of free agents out there who could fit their need, you know, if they want to move Frazier to right field or make him kind of a super utility type guy. But it seems like the job will be Frazier's to lose at this point. And they can kind of back him up with rookies like Pablo Reyes or Kevin Kramer, uh, maybe even Kevin Newman, if they figure out uh, the shortstop job with somebody from outside the organization. So they have options there. I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, keep their ear to the ground at free agency, just because they do have a little bit of flexibility with Frazier being able to play right field where they might need somebody while Gregory Polanco is recovering. But it seems like Frazier is going to be part of their plan somewhere, most likely at second base. Okay. And what about Jung Ho Gong? Uh, can he come back? Yeah, I would not be surprised at all, actually. Um, in fact, Neil Huntington kind of laid the groundwork for that uh, the last day of the season when he said they'll they'll keep the door open for all of their free agents, you know, Jung Ho, Josh Harrison, and Jordy Mercer. But realistically, you know, I expect they'll move on from Harrison. I expect Mercer will land somewhere else in kind of a utility role. But Jung Ho Gong, just because he's such a mystery based on the time that he's missed, you know, he's such a risk in a lot of ways because you don't know what to expect. You know, the fact that Neil Huntington said that they have significant interest in finding sort of that middle ground in free agency, somewhere between the five and a half million dollar club option that he had and kind of a, you know, a, a minimum deal, you know, maybe with some incentives built in. I would not be surprised at all if they negotiate pretty hard between now and Friday uh, when they have that kind of exclusive window and potentially afterward, because, you know, Huntington said it straight up. He could be an everyday player. He would have an everyday opportunity if he does come back and return to form. So, you know, in a way, I'm a little surprised they didn't just take that five and a half million dollar risk on Jung Ho, given his upside. But it's worth kind of letting the situation play out, uh, you know, before jumping to conclusions, because I would not be surprised at all based on the fact that they mentioned it if they do, you know, make a really legitimate effort to bring him back. 
Okay. All right. So we're going to keep tabs on that. Now, Adam, if I remember correctly, before the beginning of the 2018 season, there was a little bit of drama between Josh Harrison and the club. And I remember going into spring training, kind of hearing little bits and pieces about um, they weren't on the same page. And now we know that this was his last season, at least for now, in a Pirates uniform. But you know Josh Harrison way better than I do and probably better than than most people do. What are you going to remember about the guy on the field, the guy off the field? Who's Josh Harrison? Yeah, I think it's a really good question because, you know, there were, there are so many different parts to his personality. There was the guy you see on the field, you know, that energetic spark plug, you know, he just always played with such passion. I don't think he ever left the field with a clean jersey. He was just that guy. You know, even when he struggled the last couple of years, you still knew what you were going to get from him effort-wise. And I think that speaks a lot to where he came from. Like, one of the things I'm going to remember most was the 2017 All-Star game when he told me and a couple other reporters uh, before the game how he went from, you know, going out of high school thinking about going to play junior college ball because he didn't think he'd be able to get a scholarship. And then he got his hometown, University of Cincinnati's last scholarship spot at like 70% for his freshman season, still had to take out a loan just to go to school. And then he starred there, you know, he got a full scholarship. It just really put into perspective how he kind of had to scrap and claw just to get to college ball, much less pro ball in the majors. So then you see in 2014, you know, when he had that really breakout season, he goes from kind of a middling prospect to someone who got MVP votes. Just the way that he broke out that year, uh, you know, drove them back to the wild card game was just really incredible. Those are the the kind of the big picture things that I'm going to remember. But, you know, third little moments like the Rich Hill game in 2017 when he broke up a no-hitter in the 10th inning with a walk-off homer. It was literally history. Like, we've never seen that before. And it was just so funny to see Josh Harrison right in the middle of that moment. And then there's just, you know, all the little moments off the field. He was such a star in the community. Anytime that the Pirates went out and did something, especially with kids, you wanted to see what Josh Harrison was doing because he was just so good with kids. You know, there was a a shopping trip where he joked that he was, you know, preparing to be a father of two little girls by carrying around all the bags for all the kids that he was shopping for. I'll never forget the trip at the Little League World Series when the Pirates played in the Little League Classic, where he's like going around and just genuinely talking to kids on the bus, just interested in them. He's asking about their favorite subjects, asking them what positions they play, what their batting average was, you know, in the Little League season, had them sign his cleats that he wore for Players Weekend. You cannot fake his energy, his passion, or his enthusiasm. And I think that's probably what I'm going to remember most about Josh Harrison. And I think that's what somebody else is probably going to really benefit from as he moves forward, uh, probably with some other team. Yeah, I think that, you know, you become embedded with a club and and then you care about everything that has to do with it. And it it shows really well with him. But maybe maybe there's a new home that he can he can find for himself and and find a nice fit and, and do the same thing there. I have no doubt that he'll make an impact in the community uh, and the club uh, in a new spot, a new home. And then I'm sure he'll be welcomed uh, back with open arms uh, wherever he may land uh, and make his return um, into Pittsburgh. So um, I'm sure that'll be a nice moment for him as well and kind of feel the love from, from the Pittsburgh faithful. For sure, because he's one of those guys, along with Jordy Mercer, who, you know, they were in the organization as roommates and teammates when the team was terrible at the major league level. So they were coming through the minors and they won championships at double A AA and triple A. 
And then I don't think it's really a coincidence that, you know, about the time they got up, they started to kind of change the culture. So even if they weren't continually stars, you know, Harrison had one really great year, another all-star year, and a couple of kind of in-between seasons. And Jordy Mercer was just sort of who he was, steady, not great, spectacular for several years. Those are still guys who were really beloved uh, by fans because they were here for the good times. They were major parts of it, and they really kind of left it all out there. So that's a really good point. I'm really excited to see what might happen when either one of those guys actually comes back for their first game back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think those are in really nice moments. Um, Adam, the last the last thing I want to touch on, uh, there's there's two small things. So we talked about Andy Barquette um, being being on the the short list for the um, to become the hitting coach for the Pirates, and he reportedly removed himself uh, from consideration. So now what? Yeah, that's a great question because he was the only person publicly linked to the job. And according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, he removed himself from consideration. It's not like the Pirates, you know, interviewed and said no. Basically just said, yeah, he is not interested in the job anymore. And I'm curious to see whether that means he stays with the Red Sox. Because I don't think anybody could really blame him for that, right? (laughs) The defending champs. So where they go from here is kind of unclear. There's still a lot of you know, qualified candidates on the market. You think about former Cubs uh, hitting coach, Chili Davis. I think the former Cardinals hitting coach, John Mabry is still out there. Those are external guys. Internally, maybe they turn to uh, AAA Indianapolis hitting coach, Ryan Long. Uh, Hitting coordinator, Larry Sutton is a guy who's pretty highly spoke of. And obviously he knows the, you know, the philosophical aspect of what the team wants to do in the batter's box. So I'm very curious to see how long it takes them to put this coaching staff together because it's two spots at this point. They need a hitting coach and they need an assistant for him because it's too much work for for one person, really. So with Barquette out of it, I'm really curious. It seems like kind of an open race at this point with no known candidates. So all we can really do is wait and see what happens. Okay, we're going to wait and see. That's that's all we're doing right now. We're just waiting and seeing, and I'm going to get anxious pretty soon here. Last thing, Adam, Corey Dickerson, Gold Glove finalist. That's pretty cool for him. Um, and it wasn't – probably at the beginning of the season, you wouldn't have said that he would have been a Gold Glove finalist, but he put in the work, and it's a pretty um, pretty nice company to be in when you are in that category. How did he, how did he improve so much from beginning to end of season – Um, And what are the odds of him winning this award? It was kind of a multiple year process for him after I think it was 2016 in Tampa Bay. He came to spring training and he lost like 25 pounds. He got his body in a much better place. He learned that season a lot from Kevin Kiermeyer, who's kind of an elite defensive center fielder. You know, he joked with me that he appreciated that Kiermeyer cared as much about his defense as Dickerson does about his hitting. And anybody who knows Corey Dickerson knows that he takes hitting more seriously than possibly anybody you've ever met. Uh, So I think he just kind of really absorbed a lot of things from a lot of different places. And then he went into the offseason and focused on, you know, hand-eye coordination, speed, footwork, things that were specifically targeted to make his defense better. Because he's 30 now, and I don't like to think of this because I'm about to turn 30. But that's kind of the stuff that starts to go when you get into the back half of your career is hand-eye coordination, you know, first step quickness. So he worked on that. He put in the work. And then he worked really well with uh, Camaro Barti, the Pirates outfield coach. He expressed a real interest in defensive positioning, uh, shifting and all that kind of stuff. And I think the Pirates put him in a great spot to, uh, you know, take advantage of what he's good at. He was awesome, you know, coming in on balls. I think if you go look at his highlights on our, our video page, 
they're all just him making sliding catches, diving in on balls. It's incredible. Um, but I think he has a pretty good chance to win. He led left fielders in the uh, Sabre defensive metric that they used to you know, qualify about a, a quarter of the voting for the gold gloves. So the only thing that might actually hold him back is his poor defensive reputation before this season because it's a, you know, a thing that coaches vote on. So hopefully people pay attention to the numbers and watch the games this year and saw that he really did turn into an elite uh, defensive left fielder. And I think he would be really honored to, uh, to win that award. I think you should give his acceptance speech too, Adam. <laughs> Is that good? Did that yeah. sound good? Okay. Yeah, you told me. You for someone, think... you know, I obviously know who Corey Dickerson is, but for someone, uh, for someone who may not know, you you uh, you sold that well, my friend. You sold. I'll that tell you well. what, he is really good at talking about anything. He goes in depth on <laughs> hitting, especially. But he will. You ask him like, how come you got better defensively, and he will run you through all of what I just said I without asking a follow up question. So. Uh, thanks to him, I think we have a better idea of how he got better. He's a reporter's dream is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Give me 25 right. of those guys and I'm good. I like it. I like it. Um, listen, we we have a lot of things to come, I know, uh, because uh, moves are about to be made, deadlines are happening, and, and all that good stuff in baseball. We The stove is the stove is lukewarm, but it's fine because it's about to heat up. I got to get my oven mitts and bring them back and all that good stuff. Um, so I'm excited to continue to talk to you and I know we're going to chat next week. Um, so it's, it's going to be another great podcast. Yeah. Next week's the GM meetings. I think already the off season stuff is starting to happen. So, uh, not usually a lot of news out of those meetings, but hopefully we'll have something else to, to go on from Neil Huntington. That's right. All right, Neil, don't let us down. Give us something (laughs) good. Um, and thank you guys always for tuning in with Adam Barry. I'm Danny Wexelman. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.